Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I am your host, women's empowerment coach and motivational speaker, Megan Hall. And on this podcast, I'm going to connect you with inspirational women who will share their real stories. And we're going to chat about topics relevant to women today. I'd love to continue to support you on your life's journey. Please join us in the Inspired Women community on Facebook. Thank you for tuning in today and enjoy the show. Hey guys, today I'm here with Brenda. Brenda Swan is an advocate of merriment a practicing ecocentric and a strength coach. Brenda's philosophy for life is that you have to take every opportunity to adventure around and explore, be it a new place, a lifestyle, and even your own physical abilities. You just never know how you will grow. Her coaching focuses on educating and empowering her clients or athletes on how to achieve a version of themselves that they can thrive in, sustain, and build a living legacy on. Brenda was born and raised in Mexico City, Mexico, naturalized as an American citizen, and constantly works on finding ways to fill in the gaps between all the misconceptions about being both an immigrant, an American, and all the other boxes we have to check on the Census Bureau data. Well, that's where I want to start, Brenda. I want you to share with everybody what it was like for you growing up in Mexico City and your transition here, because there are so many misconceptions nowadays, especially in the United States with the state of the political environment. And that's why I really wanted you to come on and share your story because I love you. And <laughs> I knew that you're, you're like me. You're not going to bullshit. You're going to share no. with us what really happened. And I think your story is really powerful. Thank you so much, Megan, for having me on. It's such an honor and a pleasure. Um, and yeah, you're like you just mentioned, you're right. In this day and age, I feel like it's so important to share our stories with people to to just to give the give them a little humanity. You know, you can read so many little memes on Facebook or little two minute stories or on Instagram or any of the social mediums that you find yourself in. You can read all this stuff, all these misconceptions again, and and not truly know, hey, like there's an actual human being and a story. And I'm probably very much like you, (laughs) you know, in many ways, besides it being a a female, um, you know, because it's just uh, at the end of the day, we're all human. So I'm happy to share. And again, thank you so much for having me, having me on. Um, so I, I suppose where I can start, uh, I know that a lot of people recently have heard a lot about, you know, the DACA or DACA, however that's called, the, the dreamers, the dreamer kids. And to be on- perfectly honest with you, I was not even well versed on what exactly that meant and call it partial privilege, call it partial ignorance is bliss. I- I'm not really sure, but you know, when, when it doesn't affect you, you don't think about it. Mm-hmm. And I know that I am, I, I consider myself still, you know, I'm Mexican American. I, I'm an American through and through, but I don't forget where I'm from. Mm-hmm. Um, but nevertheless, I honestly did not stay on top of what that was or what it meant. Right. And when I finally started understanding, uh, and that was only like within the last couple of years, what, what is this DACA or whatever it would DACA or, you know, I just kept seeing it everywhere. And I looked it up and was like, Oh, I think I was an original one of those kids. You're the you OG. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I'm the OG. Uh, I can't for the life of me tell you who was like a president or what bill was passed or any of that. I mean, I can tell you that I grew up in Mexico city, raised by my mom. Uh, my birth dad was not ever really around. Um, but in my mind and what we knew as kids, I have two younger brothers. Um, 
you know, he was up north. That's how America is referred to when you live in Mexico, anywhere uh, out there. It's, you know, he, he was up north earning money for us to live. And every so often we'd get to see him and maybe, you know, or maybe we didn't for like a year straight. So it really was my mom and my brothers and I all the time on our own. And, you know, I want to try and, and tell people like, we, well, actually, I don't want to try and tell people. I didn't, I don't feel like I had a terrible life when I was a kid. I think when you don't know, you just don't know. Mm-hmm. And when you're happy and like in retrospect, like some of the memories I have, I sometimes shake my head and go, what in the hell was going on? <laughs> like, that's not normal. That's not something that we would ever stand for here for children to be exposed to or live in conditions or anything like that. But I never felt like I was without, I never felt unloved. I never felt, um, I think there was one time, one time in my childhood, I can clearly remember not having something and being truly upset. But the funny thing about that is that that was here in America. <laughs> like when I think about it really hard, that was here in America. And, you know, in, in many ways, sometimes I wonder, Oh, did I, do I, um, you know, do I only have selective memory or was it really just like, whatever? I mean, I don't know. Sometimes people tell you they remember things from when they were five and whatever. I'm like, I don't know that I remember exactly things from five or eight or three or four. I, I just, don't either. <laughs> I just remember specific things. So I can tell you, like, I remember playing. Okay. Like when, when we moved to America, like when we left Mexico for the last, like, I shouldn't say last time, because I feel like we, there's all these Mexico city is like way South. Right. Mm-hmm. And then we started making our way north. But again, as a child, you don't know that. You're just moving to these other cities. And we were just moving because we're moving closer to dad. You know, I, I do air quotes that your mm-hmm. listeners can't see. But so you're moving closer to dad. You're moving north. And okay, whatever. We're moving, moving closer. But I have no concept of like how many miles that is or how, like how far away that is or like none of that. And we just kept moving north. But when we left the home that I remember being the happiest in, in Mexico City, I was super upset because we were just starting to get paved streets. And I was like, dang it, we're leaving now that they're paving the streets? Like, what? <laughs> and this was like in the late 80s, right? So, like, and I was, I was so mad because in my head as this, I don't know, nine, 10 year old kid, I'm like, you know what happens when you get paved streets, right? Like as soon as you get paved streets, you get like your own electricity. And you get, um, like, you might get a phone in your house and like all these things that you know, like you see other neighborhoods have, because that's legitimately how it was. You know, we had our little shanty home and we had electricity, but it wasn't like our own. And when I say it wasn't our own, it means that there was this huge light post thing outside and all these cables drew from it <laughs> oh, to these half shanty houses where for our house, Half of the house you couldn't touch because it electrocuted you. Oh my goodness. It would shock you. So you had to be really careful when you walked into the house and like walked in certain places and especially in the bathroom, like you had to be super, super careful and you could only take a shower. I mean, (laughs) you could only take a shower in the daytime because then you didn't need the lights and then you wouldn't get shocked. (laughs) (laughs) I know. See, again, saying it out loud now as a... a adult that lives in like a real home that's been bought and paid for <laughs> like you're like what the hell is that 
But you don't know what you don't know. You, you know, just don't know. You don't, and everybody around you lives the same way. And like, sure, you sometimes go by the like the fancy neighborhoods and stuff. But like, I don't know. You're a dumb kid. Like, you're all I was worried about was like my dress was pretty and I'm shoes. I had shoes on my. I don't even remember what I was worried about. But you know, you don't know. What you don't know. And there was one telephone in the whole community in the whole neighborhood. And I mean, um, to illustrate that neighborhood, I, I would imagine it's sort of like a little tiny small town out here in Virginia, like a country town is mm-hmm. what, but, but it's a neighbor. So it wasn't like suburban neighborhood, like houses with fences and cars and driveways and things. It, but that's what I knew as a neighborhood. Like we all had our shanty houses. We all kind of, you know, had our, like our washer and dryer were like this thing that you scrub things with outside. <laughs> we didn't have, we had running water through the house, but it wasn't indoor plumbing. So we had this huge, like, this huge tank above the house. And it's huge, again, in comparison to a a 10-year-old, because I used to be able to, like, get into it and, like, swim in it, you know, when it was really hot, which was totally not allowed, but you did it anyway because you're a dumb kid and you're hot and you don't know what else to do, and it's not like there's a pool, a community pool. Right. (laughs) And if you got caught, you got in trouble. Or if you didn't like your neighbor, you, like, go from rooftop to rooftop and you went and peed in their tank. (laughs) And like the water truck, the huge water truck came around once a week. And if you had money, you paid the water truck to fill your tank on the top of your house. And then your faucets would have running water. But you'd still have to like shower with like your bucket and and everything else to conserve the water just in case, one, you didn't have money. Or two, the water didn't come around. Or, you know, you wanted to make it last, obviously. It wasn't just like this ever flowing thing of water. I know these things all sound so No, silly. my dad calls those military showers because we lost power up, up in state New York for like two weeks because of ice storm. And we had to do that with the bucket and yeah. shower too. So I actually know what that's like. Yeah. So later on in life, much later on in life, I actually went to study abroad in India where in modern day India, a lot of places still do that. You like, you have to turn on your water heater and get your bucket of water for your shower or for the bathroom, whatever. And I remember when I was there with like all these other students that also were studying abroad for the first time and whatever, we're like, this is ridiculous. How am I supposed to like wash my hair and blah, blah, blah. And I need to condition. And I'm like, I know how to do this. I know how to do this. I know how to use this one bucket of water to shower and have some leftover for the toilet. <laughs> It was just one of those things where, or even anytime I've traveled abroad and things are just slightly different than here in America, like slightly less convenient, I am always like so proud going, this doesn't even face me because I grew up with this. Like I know this life. Yeah. I know this air quotes, you know, hard knock life, <laughs> which basically in other places just not being wasteful. You know, it's like their lifestyle because they're not wasteful and, and they conserve their energy and their resources and everything else. So anyway, we're moving out of this neighborhood and I was super upset because it's like, again, like I knew that the paved streets were coming and again, paved streets meant electricity, meant phones, meant all these things. And it's like, we're going to miss out on all this awesome stuff. <laughs> not realizing that like, hey, when you come to America, you're going to have like a refrigerator that works. And it's also is like bigger than you, not going to be like this little tiny, uh, what most people nowadays would probably recognize as a European refrigerator. But I think most countries have these small refrigerators because you only buy what you need for like maybe a couple of days and you go to the market every day and get fresh food. Um, but again, no frame of reference of any other life other than this life. Uh, so, you know, we come to America and one of the things I, I like to 
make sure I emphasize to people um, because of course throughout the years uh, in my ignorance of not knowing like what my what my net my you know my status was or whatever you know I've been called everything from a, a, we a beaner a webback you know all kinds of really awful things and I remember the very first time as you know when Spanish is my first language the first time somebody called me a webback I was like I came here in a car <laughs> like, <laughs> that was my answer no. like like I didn't under like once I understood what that meant you yeah. know I was like I didn't swim through a river no like that's that's not what I that's not what I did like, it's no. so stupid the misconceptions that are out there like yeah. like and and this ball is gonna keep you out well um that's not how that works thank you right <laughs> Well, and then the whole smuggling thing and everything else, I was like, no, I was in a nice car. It was a Cadillac. It was velour on the inside. It was my uncle's car. You know, like, what? I don't understand what you're saying to me and why you're so angry. Like, I'm 13. I, can I play with your Barbie? I don't, I don't know. Um, so we, we came across whatever. And, and, you know, to make this long story, not maybe less long, um, we, we had passports, my brothers and myself had passports and I came across the border first and then my brothers followed. Um, so my mom was, you know, basically working over in Mexico. My birth dad was working here. Um, there, you know, it's, it's an expensive thing. Um, mm -hmm. And then, so I came across the border first and then my brothers came and then I literally like, my mom put on my best Sunday dress, you know, um, like church style, best Sunday dress, shoes, she, made my hair all pretty. I had my little tiny piece of luggage with like everything I owned, which I, re I remember it being maybe like a couple dresses, shoes. Uh, and by some shoes, I mean like a pair of nice church shoes and a pair of like regular school shoes. Um, I had all these bobby, like cute bobby pin things for my hair that had like little flowers. And like, those were like my prized possession were these little clips for my hair. Um, and then my uncle picked me up across the border in Tijuana or TJ as some of us call it because I lived in, I lived in San Diego. I guess you can say I'm kind of half originally from there <laughs> or coming to the East coast. I was, uh, I'd lived all in, in San Diego most of my life and before Mexico. So it was easy. And like I had a passport and we got in the car and we came across the border and they said we were going to Disneyland. And I was like, what the hell is Disneyland? I don't know. Okay. Yeah. And you know, they look at you at the border crossing. And you're like, okay bye. Okay, go on. And then you just go. And then we just lived here. Like that was it for me. Like that was it. There, it was very thankfully not anything super traumatic about as traumatic as it was, was that I didn't, now I didn't live with my mom and I didn't have my brothers. Um, but when I got to see my birth dad, uh, and I emphasize my birth dad because later in life, my parents were divorced. And then, uh, my stepdad is who finished raising us. I suppose you could say, um, we came, we got into this, first of all, we went to this apartment, which to me was a house. I was like, oh, what's this? It like, it's this huge apartment, which again, in retrospect, it was a one bedroom, one bath apartment. that was probably roughly like 600 square feet, but it was huge. And it had this huge refrigerator. I mean, it was bigger than me. There was a refrigerator. And I know that sounds crazy, but it's a big deal. Like refrigerators yeah. mean mean food there's food there and it's abundant and it was strange to me that there was nowhere in sight there was no market there was no people selling food on the streets because I remember being going like what am, what am I going to eat like how am I going to eat where where am I where are all the people as you're driving through the streets of San Diego like 
where where are the people and it was broad daylight you know i don't even remember what day of the week it was but in this apartment oh and it had carpet it wasn't just dirt like i lived in in like in farms and in homes that were like really hard dirt that's the best way i can describe it i mean it wasn't even like tile or concrete or anything it was just I don't know. I thought it was awesome how I lived before, but apparently it gets better. But this place was had carpet, so I was like, oh my God, this is fancy. I have to take my shoes off, but I can lay down in it without having to put something down first. I don't have to sweep it constantly, although I had to use this vacuum thing that I was like, what? I have to plug this in with <laughs> um, But anyway, so this refrigerator, when I opened it up, it had this magical blue liquid in this huge pitcher, Kool-Aid. And there was bread and cheese that was wrapped in plastic like individual little pieces it wasn't like a big chunk that you had to like cut or ask your parents to cut in the night like oh my I, I felt like a million dollars like I was so self-sufficient like oh my god and then there was this thing called peanut butter and then this <laughs> other thing called jelly like it was just what is happening I'm in heaven this is amazing um so I mean you know, that was that. And in Mexican culture, or at least the way that I was brought up in Mexican culture, especially being a female, you know, you're, you're always small. You have to be small. You only speak when you're spoken to. You don't make noise. You listen to your elders and all your elders includes all elders. It's not just your parents or your family members, but any elders, you always listen, you always respect teachers, police officers, whatever. So in my blissful ignorance. I think I was around 11 or 12. So it was like the early nineties when we came over or when I came over, cause my brothers came later. My mom came even after that. Um, my, my birth dad would go to work and in that apartment, by the way, uh, lived a whole bunch of other, again, more air quotes, cousins, but just a bunch of other men. Now that I'm older, I understand there was just a bunch of other migrant workers. Um, but I was told they were my cousins. So my dad and myself would stay in the bedroom and then all my cousins slept out in the living room. And I slept in my own beanbag, which was also like the most awesome thing ever. When you go from sleeping on like, you know, these kind of mats and things on the floor, not that it was awful, but like sleeping on a beanbag, it was like, I don't know. I mean, I was in heaven. I was in heaven with like my beanbag and my blanket and my squared plastic cheese, plastic wrapped cheese and blue Kool-Aid. And like, you know, I didn't know what the hell was going on, but the air was also fresh outside and there wasn't like buses everywhere. And there wasn't, I mean, it was weird. It was just, it was weird, but it was awesome. So when they went to work, it was like, you stay here, you be quiet. Here's this television thing, which was also like, <gasps> what? And I could turn it on and there was all kinds of cartoons. Again, I never knew what the hell was going on, but there was car like the fact that we had there was a TV and I could watch cartoons all damn day. Oh, and then I could use this bathroom where I could wash my hands in the same space and like And not get electrocuted. Not again, yeah, not get electrocuted. <laughs> I could open the windows and they had they had these screen things so like bugs wouldn't get in the house. I mean, everything was genius i mean it was absolute heaven it was so different but so amazing and probably what most people these days would be like that's so ghetto you know um so it was it was pretty awesome but yeah it was always be quiet don't talk to strangers don't open the door for anybody you know here's what you can eat um here here's the oh here's 911 911 if there's an emergency if you if you are dying 
not if you like miss your mom or anything like it was very made very explicitly clear what I called 911 for mm-hmm. so I learned how to call 911 like very early on which I also thought was genius because in Mexico unfortunately for the most part like you don't get to call the police if something's going on like you're lucky if you know it's just not it's it's unfortunate how especially nowadays how hard it is to have any kind of civil help um if you are someone that is indeed actually suffering or going through something you know being robbed or whatever you kind of left on your own or whenever they can get get to you um so it was even like that back then and especially when you're just this poor family out in like Timbuktu little village like they definitely <laughs> don't care about you or care less or have less time to attend to you than they would like the big city people uh that live like downtown or in the business district or whatever else so that was really cool like oh my god like strangers going to protect me if something happens like if something really happens to me someone's going to take care of me and they're not going to say anything but still it was always be quiet be small don't talk to anybody um and then, you know, and I, I feel like it was summertime because by the time, like, I eventually started going to school a few months later. And at the time, there was no such thing as, like, bilingual education or mm. in, like, schools that were, I, I don't know, Mexican-friendly or, but I, don't, I mean, it was just school. And everybody was American. And everybody was so pretty because I remember that clearly. Um seeing these beautiful like blonde people milky skin (laughs) freckles or redheads I was like I was infatuated with redheads I'd never seen people with like this beautiful glowy fiery hair in my life and to this day I actually have a very soft spot for redheaded people because they were just like they're so amazing and then people called them gingers and I didn't understand what that meant but it sounded so cute like gingers gingers like everybody that was redheaded was ginger there was no like oh you're Johnny you're Sue you're Beth you're Alex like no everybody was a ginger you know you just learn these things like as you go and you don't understand and no one's taking the time to explain anything to you um I do remember my uncle saying something to me in Spanish which I'll just translate into English that I remember him saying to me very early on he's like well don't get your hopes up too much kid you know you're a girl and you're Mexican so there's only a few things you're going to be able to do and And I don't feel like my uncle said that to me because he was a horrible human being. Mm -hmm. I feel like he said that to me because he was just an ignorant person. He was, you know, maybe third to fourth grade level education that had, who had been working his whole life. That's all he knew how to do was work, 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 work and make money and make money and send it back to his parents or his spouse and his kids, my cousins, like that was it. That's I, sometimes get really upset the way that we personify the people that we don't know, you know, especially some of these um, immigrants or migrants that are coming up from even from South America, Central America, the systems aren't set up for them to succeed in some of these places. Like hell, the system wasn't set up for my family and I to succeed either. Um, So you just, you just do what you can and you work like all you know how to do is like, I got to support for my family. I got to provide for my family and when shit gets hard, you know it's hard, and you just got to figure out how to deal with it. There's no, like, woe is me, someone's going to help us. I mean, someone will help us in an emergency, you know, fire, something like that, or rob us. But other than that, like, no, figure it out. So help yourself. And it's like, mm, this is the reality. You're a girl, and you're Mexican. Wah, wah, wah. You know? Like, base, I, I, like, 
later on in life, I remember thinking of like, oh, maybe he meant that I was supposed to get married, like young, you know, like I should have, I should have had a husband by the time I was like 14. <laughs> Again, it's, it, it's ignorance. You don't know. You just, you don't know. You're like, oh, okay, I don't know what he meant. So, I, you know, it's like, okay, right, right. I'm a girl and I'm Mexican. So, um, so we went to, I went to school. I say we, because my brothers eventually went to school. I went to school at this elementary school, again, with all the pretty people. I had bullies, um, even though, again, I didn't, under, like, I, there's just so much I don't understand and didn't understand Megan. Like, to this day, it's so funny when I look at people and they have, whether it's a pop reference culture or, or, or a pop culture reference, or there's just so many things that just don't register the same way. I think because I completely missed out on growing up here. And while I was growing up here, my life was completely different. I lived parallel to you, but it was a totally different reality, if that makes any sense. Yeah, well, I mean, imagine it, like anybody listening, I'm thinking about it. If you suddenly popped up in a foreign country who didn't, they didn't speak your language and everything is nothing like you're used to, it would be completely different experience than the person who's brought up that way. Like right. that speaks the language and understands all of the nuances <laughs> and all of the things. Like right. it's like being an alien. Yeah. Like, not even I mean, in the way that they make it. Yeah, I was going to say, we are aliens. <laughs> yeah. We are aliens. Yeah. I mean, I even remember like my first Christmas, I didn't understand it. Like, I'm like, so who's this guy? His name is Santa and he lives where? Like, I don't remember learning that there was a North Pole in school. And I considered myself very smart. I had very high marks in school because despite what anybody might think, um, and, and, you know, I, I did just finish saying that, you know, some of my family was, was had like a third grade education. Like my mom made sure we went to school, no matter what darn city we lived in, what darn little town or how far away we had to take a bus. We were always in school. And I'm rolling my eyes right now because in Mexico, in Mexico, school is a privilege and you have to pay for it and you have to wear a uniform and you have to follow the rules. And like you aim to always keep earn your keep there because you like you mess up once and like get out of here you're out like someone else wants to be in your place so it it's like a serious thing and I took it very very seriously so I remember going I never learned that in geography class and mind you I'd only been up to like fifth grade or something right and maybe you didn't learn that sort of thing but I was like there is I don't understand this north pole south pole thing what does that mean and where exactly does this man live and he does what and elves like what kind of humans are those I mean, it was completely, it, I, at no point did I have any kind of concept of like, this is fake, this is not real. You know, we didn't have, I didn't have, I never had Christmas, so I didn't understand. And I didn't understand, like, well, who's really bringing me this present? And why, I didn't ask for this, how did they know? Mind you, many years later, you know, my parents shared with us that, you know, any presents we got for Christmas were always from like either Toys for Tots, like, or the church that we went to. Like, we got toys from charity. They didn't buy us toys because they didn't have money for that. <laughs> they had money to buy us clothes. They had money to like live and, you know, like, I don't know. There was no extra money for shenanigans like that for a long time. Um, and I, I don't mean to offend anyone that Christmas is shenanigans. It was just, no, a, I mean, it, it, but if you think about it, it's just a fun, it's just a fun thing that people do. It has no religious meaning Santa Claus is not like <laughs> you know <laughs> Christmas yeah. is something that 
Christians tend to be the ones that celebrate it, but Santa Claus has nothing to do with the Bible, so. <laughs> right, right. And, I, and, and my, shenanigans. <laughs> I, yeah, I, just, I didn't get it. I didn't understand. I was like, whatever. And, and, you know, when I was a little girl in Mexico, I used to have these weird nightmares, right? And these nightmares, I'd be like, it, I, like Godzilla was chasing me or something. And I remember thinking from those nightmares, it was like a repetitive thing. I'm sure a psychologist can explain it all. But I remember thinking when I'd wake up, when I'm older, I'll be able to run faster from Godzilla, right? Once I came to America and started having these other weird dreams, I used to tell myself, when I speak English, I'll understand. <laughs> when I speak English better, I'll understand what this all is. Because it just, I, there was so many things I did, made no sense. Did it just make no sense? Uh, maybe I literally understood them from a language perspective, but what? Like the whole concept of like Easter too, like that was beyond me. I, what, what are you talking about right now? Um, oh, Halloween. Like my jaw is dropping to the ground right now because again, I was like, <laughs> go to people's houses and tell them you're going to trick them. Like, what do you do? That's rude. That's so rude. I would never do that to your my my neighbors. Like you're supposed to be kind and no and like gentle and lovely to your neighbors and check on them and like because you know it's elders. The assumption is that elders live all around you and and like we so we just beg for candy and we say trick or treat. So give me I'll I'll do a trick if you don't give me a, again. Couldn't wrap my head around it. It was scary. It was weird. I didn't get it. It yeah. It took a hot minute for me to really start being obsessed with all the things that you know <laughs> and I think it wasn't until like junior high maybe early high school that I started to like understand what was cool what wasn't cool hell French kissing so <laughs> do I have to kiss a French person are they f like or what makes it French do we eat cheese before? I asked like the same question when I was a teenager <laughs> too I'm like what why is this French like I don't understand is this what they do in France like is this where this yeah. comes from Right. Like, I know where France is, you know, it's in Europe and like, yeah. It, so, so being, so being an immigrant kid here was all just really strange. Uh, and th I mean, those are the funny parts. The not so funny parts were, you know, in the summertime, not having, you know, not being able to, I mean, you don't have school and, and you're getting a little too old for your parents to just leave you at home. Or maybe there was what I feel like may have been a fear in my parents to leave us at home alone and like what if somebody calls the child protective services and the mm -hmm. INS and you know why are these kids home alone and blah 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 even though we were locked in there and it didn't bother anyone you know we started to learn that that wasn't okay and accepted by our neighbors and like okay so they would take us to work with them and you know um, my birth dad worked as a janitor at different restaurants in different places and I mean sometimes we'd sit in the car my mom was a maid uh, in people's houses, like by the time she finally came over, um, same way, everybody came over the same way in a car with my uncle with a passport and we overstayed our visas or overstayed our ability to be here. So, I mean, I didn't, I didn't know that at the time. It's just, you come with a passport and now you live here. Okay, great. Done. Yay. You know, um, but that's how, well, you know, there was no like smuggling in a horrific, like, tanker with like a hundred other people. There was no crossing the desert. There was no, none of these other horrible risks that other people are willing to take to, to be here. You know, I, I don't want to say that one way is 
better than the other. It's just, I guess, what opportunity is afforded to you and what you're able to sort out. Um, because it's still freaking scary, you know, like once you're a little bit older and you start realizing, oh, oh, I'm going to be legal here. Like I could be taken away at any time or no, I can't, or yes, I can. Or like, what does that mean? Or, you know, don't, you don't go to Mexico. You don't go past checkpoints. You don't go, like you stay within this general vicinity of what San Diego is or your little town in San Diego or County because there's checkpoints. If you try to go to LA or Arizona, or if you try to live your life in any way, shape or form that isn't conforming to just blend in, you know, and be small, don't, you know, you, you could be sent back to Mexico. And, and the fear wasn't like, I'm going to go back to this horrible life. Cause you know, there was, there was no paved streets in my old neighborhood, probably <laughs> electricity. It was more of like, I, I, I don't know anybody there. Like who, where are my friends going to be there? I don't know anybody there anymore. Like, I don't know where my family is. I don't, you know, you lose touch. And in the age before internet, and before cell phones, I mean, you wrote letters, you sent telegrams, you hoped that the one person in that town still had the phone that, because what used to happen is that if there one, there was like a little shopkeeper, right? And that's the person that had all the, the goodies, groceries and things. And that person usually had a phone and electricity, you know, because they had, they were the shopkeeper. So they were rich, they had everything. And you would call the shopkeeper and you'd say, hey, Megan, you know, can you go see if my mom's home? And then you'd be like, yeah, hold on. Literally put the phone down and you'd run five blocks down the road or send your kid or whoever. And then go see if my mom was there. And if my mom wasn't there, then I left a message with you. And then you would tell her later, hey, come back to the store around 9 p.m. Our time, your daughter's going to try to call you again. Like, that's how we would communicate. But maybe like, what if you don't have a phone anymore what if your shop closed down what if somebody died in your family and you're not answering the phone there's no answer machine there's just all and there's the same thing for the telegram but the telegram i feel like was a little bit more official so you had to go a little bit further out to get telegrams that sounds so ancient i'm only 40 i swear no um, and <laughs> no but people listening are probably aren't thinking that um in the united states we are ahead of mexico in, in technology wise like we have to be realistic because I mean, people right now with everything going on with immigration, they're like, we don't understand why they would come here illegally. What could cause them to do this? Well, we're not seeing all of the horrific things that are going on. Now you didn't experience that all as much as some of the people that are coming over right now. Exactly. Exactly. And, and I think maybe that should be the greater point here is that I feel very fortunate uh, I mean, I can't tell you what all my parents went through. Um, that's something that even as a, an adult now, I continue to learn about because it's not like they're forthcoming about all of their suffering, you know, or anything like that. Um, I mean, I can tell you that my, my birth specifically was something that really changed my mom's life. My mom happened to be, there's the racism, there's this embedded racism in Mexico, you know, um, that people often don't talk about or fail to recognize or just brush it off like nothing. You know, if you're a fair skinned Mexican of probably likely Spanish descent or AKA European descent, you're so much better than the dark indigenous people. Doesn't this sound familiar? <laughs> certainly does but again no one talks about it out there um so my mom fair-skinned from a prominent 
quote unquote good family gets gets pregnant by this low life indigenous you know savage or whatever you want to call it i mean seriously for the love like i mean i don't really know all the all i know is that mom was one way dad was one way romeo juliet style like whatever she gets banned because she's pregnant shunned from her family has to end up living with my birth dad's family and birth dad's family is already like 12 of them living in a farm like whatever and she's like hell i'm gonna do this and she had a higher education because she was again in a well-to-do family in a nice home grew up in a nice home and you know she had her 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 no no house were much higher than i guess my birth dad's and and again my birth dad he knew was like whatever i feel that at school because it's a privilege i didn't do well now i gotta go to work it doesn't matter if i'm 10 12 11 like doesn't matter and oh look my other friend's parents go work in this place then come back because I, I think that's what the thing used to be that you would come north for the summer work in the fields earn a lot of money come back to mexico and you had all this money and you were able to buy a house or a little plot of land or help your family go get through school, the ones that were still trying, you know, whatever. You would just try to better life and you would kept doing it back and forth, back and forth until it just got harder to cross the border because it used to be so easy to just literally walk across with your passports. I lived near Canada. It was the same way. You didn't even need a passport to go to Canada. Right. Like when I was a kid, like you literally could just cross the border border. Like all you needed was like a driver's license and they didn't even scan your driver's license back then. So you could have a fake driver's license and yeah. get across the border and you just say, that's my kid in the back. And they were okay with it. Right. Um, right. So I want to like transition yeah, a little sorry. bit because no, you're good. I'm, I'm so enjoying this. When and how did you become a naturalized citizen? Because I think there's a lot of misconceptions when it comes around this, that it's easy, that it's oh, expensive. <laughs> why don't they, they just like become just citizens? Like, yeah, why don't they just apply to become citizens? Because can't they just do that? Right. Well, they can, whoever they are. Yeah. Sure. I mean, duh. Um, well, I so I didn't become an American citizen until I was... 22 i believe i was 22 so it was i just want to make a statement right here that it was well before i met my husband now because my husband's in the military and i have even to this day sometimes i get people that are very ignorant and rude well people think just because you marry the military you automatically become a citizen which is a misconception as well exactly total misconception on its own and it's like oh you're right i was totally just hanging out waiting for the one guy that's gonna you know let me fuck you for citizenship no you're good yeah like so i just want to make sure that i put it out there that like nope i was a full-fledged american citizen had been already for God knows how many years before I even met my husband. Um, so, right. I have, n- I have no idea what president was a president at that time. I have no idea what the policies were, whatever. All I know is that I was in school and from, you know, from junior high, I went to high school and then from high school, I was trying to go to college. I started working when I was 15 and a half, because that's the legal age to be able to work here. Um, and I worked for a major retailer that's still around. Uh, and like, it was not hard for me to get a job, you know, like I got a job. I, I worked in retail customer service and I worked for a major, uh, food, food restaurant chain or whatever, also still around. Um, like I went and got my license like anybody else, you know, no one ever asked for any more than just like, what's your name? Where were you born? Like blah, blah, blah. And then I would just tell them like, 
there was no asking for social security numbers. There was, there literally seemed like there was, it was no trouble. The only time that I actually started facing trouble was when I, I wanted to study abroad in high school and my parents were like, nope, can't do it. And I just thought because they were evil and mean <laughs> and rude and awful human beings that wanted to keep me from growing and everything in the world, you know, cause parents are awful and, and they just want to ruin your life. And they were like, no, 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 no. You can't, you can't, you can't, you can't. And you don't have the money. And I'd be like, I have a job. I babysit. I work part-time. I can save all my money and I will pay for it myself. And they were like, no. And, and that's how I ended up finally learning that I wasn't an American citizen. And therefore I couldn't do a lot of things. And it was like an absolute shock to me. Like I felt so betrayed. I was gutted absolutely gutted um and then interestingly one of the things i remember thinking about because at this point i'm like 21 or something i think i'm thinking to myself you mean to tell me that all these years i've been working since i was 15 and a half and now i'm 21 i didn't have to pay fucking taxes (laughs) you know because now i get not like now i'm educated enough to understand like that i have been paying taxes the whole damn time. And it's going and, nowhere because guess what? You don't have a social security number at that point in time. So your taxes are just... Like, where am I... T- yeah, where are my fucking taxes? Where the hell is my money? Like, I never got refunds. I never, like, I always, like... And I'd sit here and look at my paycheck sometimes. Like, I remember that very first job that wasn't a babysitting job that I got paid, you know, for in cash or whatever. I had to ask my boss. I was like, can you explain these things to me? Like, what's FICA? What's... SSD, like what is all this shit? And then she's explaining it to me. And she's like, yeah, all these things that you'll enjoy when you're like 60 or something. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> so how does this work again? Okay, whatever. That's cool. And, and I mean, I still remember my paychecks very, er, again, early on, like they didn't have social security numbers on them. They barely had my birth date on it. And when I got my license, like I just kept getting it renewed. Like at no point had anybody asked me for it. Like nobody kept track of this fucking information trying to figure out who you were but I was paying damn taxes and not only was I paying damn taxes I had a bank account like I paid overdraft fees I paid taxes when I bought things um you know when I went to the doctor I had to pay for it like I had to pay for everything I had to pay for everything and I'm not bitter well maybe a little bitter a little bitter because you know you're young and you're young and like the moment I had a job it was like boom pay for as much as you possibly can because my parents still had two younger younger siblings of mine to support, you know, and apparently America's expensive, although I have no frame of reference because, you know, when you get a kid, people are paying for things. Right. Whatever. So then I get hit with this whole, okay, so P.S., you're not an American citizen and like it really blows and it really sucks. And um, in order for you to become an American citizen, you need to save, I think it was like $6,000 at the time. That was just the fee to pay for like whatever fucking paperwork. I don't even know. Like $6,000 or something like that. That wasn't like, I had to go see the notary public. Every time we filled out a form with some sort of lawyer, it was like $300. I mean, I just remember all my money. Like in my head, it was my, I'm going to travel abroad money. I'm going to go to college money. I'm going to like, I had all these plans for this money, but every time I had plans for this money, all of it, like had to go to pay for something that I was like, what? This was your responsibility. And at this point, I think I'm, pretty Americanized too, where I'm just like, you were supposed to do this. Why didn't you do this? Like, you're the stupidest parents ever. Like, what do you, I want a car. You you know what I mean? Like 
what an ungrateful little asshole basically I was. And I was so bitter and so upset. And, and I even remember, so one of my, one of my jobs, I was a waitress and Saturday, I worked Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and I did that on purpose because I wanted the tips on those days. You got huge tips. And I loved getting like, just really going out of my way and really working a table to get $20. Like when you got a $20 tip, Oh my God, it was the best thing ever. And it's like, if I can just get five tables on a Friday, five tables on a Saturday and five tables on a Sunday, like at breakfast, if I can just work them enough to get 20 bucks per tip for, for those five tables. So, you know, I could have like 30 tables throughout my shift. Just five of them need to be 20 bucks so that I can have my $300 to pay for the stupid form. And then my other $300 to pay for these stupid forms. And then my other hundred dollars to pay for my photographs and processing fees. Like, you know, like that is how I walked through the money that I was making. Like I just got to And I swear to you, it felt like, and I mean, I'm a kid for the love of God. I'm a damn kid. And all the money went to pay for that. So, I mean, I don't even know if that answers your question. Yeah. So it was expensive. It took a long fucking time. And you were like, why the hell am I the one responsible for this? Yes. Like, why am I doing this? But it was also still, respect your elders you don't argue with your parents like you don't complain oh by the way in the middle of all this this quote-unquote lawyer we had ended up being a fraud so we had to redo everything um and i remember being so upset so see so this is something that a lot of people face and they don't fa- like we faced it here right so at least we were already here and i and i already had a job and my parents had more steady work because they were like you know, again, a maid and whatever. And like, we had jobs. We were in the safety of America. We were in the safety of being a human being and counting as something and someone. Most of this shit happens over there. Like, you know, you get the one swindler that's been here long enough and knows how to, you know, how to, again, how to swim. It's just a, a horrible human being. And he goes back to his village or to a different village that he's heard about or whatever. And he's over there going, yeah, I'm going to help you come to America. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. You know, some of them are sometimes called the coyotes. You're the smugglers. You pay them this money. They promise you that you're going to be safe. They promise you that, you know, pay them all this money. And, and they know that you have the money because you have the relative that's in the United States already. Right. So, but then they get swindled. So you get swindled out of your money before you've even left your little town. Or worse, you get swindled out of your money when you're left in a fucking desert to starve, you know, or, or in the heat or in the cold, you know, because they only made it halfway through and they either spent your money or ran off with it. Just, you know what I mean? It happens so much and people just want so badly, like women, for instance, so badly want to be reunited with either their spouses or their brothers or their parents. Um, because of course you leave the women behind, the men go ahead of you and then you come back for the women. Or supposedly you sent someone for the women. So here's this asshole swindler that rapes you, steals from you, keeps telling you that, well, it's what you get because, you know, you're stupid because, oh, you, you prompted me to, you, you know, you uh, enticed me to rape you. It's your fault. Uh, so you're already fucking with them in their head. And then you keep try, you know, drugging them along and then you leave them in the desert in the fucking, or in the real ground. And like, okay, you figure out how to cross the border. You know, you figure out how to become a wetback wait, what? Like this happens all the time. And, and, and the many people are promised so much and brought up. And so we were already here, right? So at least it wasn't so terrible, but that's what happens a lot or worse. You're 
in, you know, your podunk town and God forbid, like, I don't know, maybe you're gay. It's, you know, maybe that that's just the way you were born. You love who you love, but ever, you know, it's not accepted. So you're getting beat up on constantly. Your family's at risk because they're getting beat up on because that's what, you know, that's what we do as humans. We beat up on other people when they're different. I mean, again, God forbid anyone's different. So like you're literally running away for your life or the life of your family, you know? And, and it's like, well, what do you do? Well, you heard from somebody who heard from somebody who told somebody else that here you're allowed to be free here. You can be who you, you know, they understand you, you know, cause this weird sickness that you have is okay here. You know, even though again, we all know it's not a sickness. So whatever, again, whatever's making you different and doesn't fit within the construct of what the society is there or the culture is there and you're being pushed up or hell, maybe you just don't want to be raped anymore. You know, like you're tired of being treated like crap or for your kids being beaten down or whatever it is. And you hear these stories of people living better here. And by better, I don't mean like in the riches of other people, other taxpayers money or getting free healthcare. It just means you're not getting beaten. You're not getting, you have clean clothes. You can sleep, not on dirt. Um, the police doesn't extort you. Uh, the government isn't just letting you get killed by rebels or drug dealers or whoever it is that's buying them. You know, you just hear that you're going to be safe and there's food. Like that's at the end of the day, the bottom line. Um, so it's not an easy thing to give up everything that you know and take those risks. I mean, who, who wants to risk that? Because, you know, when I speak of rape, I don't speak of it lightly, but like men, women, children, anyone. You know, sometimes people just become slaves to other people because they're just trying to find something better where they feel protected. Um, so I don't know if that necessarily answers your, your Yeah, question. absolutely. And we are at the end of our time. Yeah, I'm so I could sorry. Talk, no, you're, don't apologize. I feel like I could talk to you forever about this. <laughs> um, but I also know as somebody who listens to podcasts that there's a certain time limit for people's intentions. Yeah. If there's uh, one thing or just something that you'd like to share with the audience to kind of wrap it up or maybe something we didn't cover, what would you want them to know? I, you know what? I would want them to know that at no point ever in my journey of growing up to be the human being that I am currently. An awesome human being, I understand. <laughs> Thank you. And, and at no point ever did I wish or even fathom hurting somebody else, killing, raping, selling drugs, murdering. Like at no point through all, and, and, and I mean, we, and we had struggles. Like I said, we here. I, I've experienced my, I mean, even now, the sad thing is that even now in Virginia, I've experienced it way more than I've ever have, even when I didn't speak English uh, as a young kid, the racism mm -hmm. and the misconceptions. Like I am literally at this point in my life, I'm just trying to live a good life. Right. But never did I think I'm going to steal money from somebody to be able to become a citizen. I'm going to kill somebody. I'm going to no, and no one in my family thought that and nobody and when I say family I say that with like you know we a lot of us Mexicans stick together mm -hmm. I mean when you come to a new country you kind of just figure out like you just safety in numbers yo mm -hmm. safety in numbers plain and simple nowhere was that ever communicated to me go steal from these people go spindle those people there are bad people but never go go hurt hurt somebody to get ahead that was never a thing it was always again lay low stay out of trouble only if you're literally dying, call for help. 
Because even then, like, okay, well, I'm, I'm just being raped. I'm just getting beaten. I'm not dying. It's not, I don't need help right now. I'm going to, I'm going to be okay. Um, I want people to know, like, you know, we're just trying to contribute. And, and, and a lot of the people, like I mentioned to you, I, I wasn't, I was an illegal and I wasn't, and I was paying taxes. <laughs> I was paying taxes and I didn't even know it. I was paying into a system that I wasn't even a part of. Um, you know, we're all just trying to, to do better by ourselves so that we can be, we can contribute to society and just live a life that where we can sleep at night and, and feel safe and feel like our kids are going to thrive. I just, I guess that's not really just one thing, but like, I'm not coming out to get you as an illegal. I'm not coming out for to get anybody. I'm just trying to do my best to live a good, happy life. And that's all we ask for. Just give me a chance to prove to you that I, you know, my intentions are truly very basic and they have nothing to do with you. Yeah. No, I, I like that you said that because I feel like we have so many stereotypes inside of our heads or that we're being told certain things that like color our perception of people when in fact that is a small minority. Any kind of stereotype is usually just a minority sure. of a group of people all the time. But Brenda, I want to say thank you so much for being so vulnerable sure. and coming on and sharing your your story with me today. You're very welcome. You're very welcome. You got the happy side of the story that I try to keep it, you know, lightly. And I, I'm so glad that you, I'm so glad that you, you know, you wanted to bring me on and, and talk a little bit about it because uh, I'm, you know, I'm not ashamed. I'm not, I, I used to be for a long time ashamed of like, oh my God, I can't believe my parents. But, you know, once you start growing up and understanding the, the realities of life and challenges and difficulties of being a productive human being, because it's not easy to be a productive human being, then you're like, oh, whoa, like, okay, I'm not ashamed anymore. I'm not ashamed of where I came from. And, you know, all those experiences made me who I am today. And it is what it is. How do I keep going forward, right? Right. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of the Inspired Women podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, share this out with your friends and family, and join us in the Inspire Women community on Facebook. I'll catch you next week.